Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, Diaria. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you Till 10, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. We are going to be talking about this Warriors loss, though, as they lose the first half of a back-to-back in San Antonio, 105-100, to move to 12-12 and on the season. Of course, the Warriors, they are without James Wiseman and Kevon Looney. Shout out to... James Wiseman wearing the Friends sweatshirt and now uh, on the bench, in case you didn't see that. Now, if uh, if James Wiseman is asked questions at the podium, I expect from the media, I expect from the journalists, I expect questions about Friends and South Park going forward, at least one or two. But that's besides the point. We got a lot to discuss today, and I want to know from you, 888 just if you're a Warrior fan, where are you at with this team? Are your expectations a little higher? Do you think that this is just a 12 and 12, 500 team? Is that what they are? Are they just an average team right now in the NBA? Where are you at with them? 888 957 9570. We can get into a lot of how this game was affected. You know, the final eight seconds, the inbounds to Draymond, he hawks it up for three, and it just looked ugly. It looked like a play where he was confused, and and, and Kerr and Draymond spoke after the game, and they talked about it, so we'll get to that later on in the show. We, we got plenty of time for that, but for me, this game, of course, it came down to turnovers 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 you compare the warriors 20 to the spurs 10 and when you're turning the ball over that much that's a recipe for disaster it's not even what happened in the first quarter the third quarter hell even the fourth quarter 
But the second quarter disparity in turnovers toward the end, the second unit actually didn't look too bad. I thought they were playing some pretty good defense. They went out there with Brad Wanamaker and and Michael Mulder and Damian Lee, Eric Paschal, as well as Andrew Wiggins. And I thought the start of that second unit didn't look too bad. But then when they made the switch and just rotated in their subs, all of a sudden the ball started getting turned over a lot. And that's where the swing came into play because the Warriors at one point in the second quarter were leading by 14. And down the stretch, there were just some bad turnovers, whether it be by Draymond or Damian Lee or JTA, whoever. And I think that Ultimately, that's where the game was lost. I don't think that the Warriors should have been in a position toward the end where they are even thinking about being in this game. Steph is the reason why they were in this game in the first place. He had 32 points on the night, 10 of 17 overall shooting, 6 of 11 from the floor, including just, I mean, I'm going to play this shot from the end of the first quarter because uh, this was just, Unbelievable. Toward midcourt, Curry to the far hash mark. Step back jumper, it's on the way, it's good! He hit it to end the corner! Stephen Curry is simply not human. And you knew from then on that this would not be a normal type of Stephen Curry game. There's also some talk about his minutes and, and the fact that he only played 35 minutes last night, even though with about seven minutes left in the game. There's clearly a time when you need your best player on the court. Um, But this game was lost, and everyone's going to be talking about it, but with the turnover game. And on top of that, it's just you do not have, when you don't have Andrew Wiggins being that consistent second scorer, he put up 11 points last night, which which is fine. But overall, he was 4 of 12, and he was taking these long mid-range shots instead of trying to drive to the hoop like he normally does. He didn't look as confident taking these shots. And when he's not on, Kelly Oubre was playing pretty damn well. But when he's not on and the bench, they're not looking that great. They didn't shoot the ball from three well at all. When you got that combined with all the turnovers, that's just a recipe for disaster. I didn't even think that the Warriors would be in this game. And also, I think an underlying thing that we're not really paying attention to is the fact that James Wiseman's out. Kavad Ludi's out. They're not playing with a big man right now. And I'm not going to say that Jakob Pertl completely changed the outcome of the game, but there were some stretches toward the end of the second quarter and the start of that third quarter where I felt like Jakob Pertl was getting these rebounds and letting them get these second-chance points, where he was just getting wide open for a dunk. Jakob Pertl last night, I thought, did make a difference. At times, he was 7 of 9 overall shooting with 14 points. I think that's something that nobody is talking about right now, is the fact that the Warriors are still playing small ball. I understand that the Spurs were without LaMarcus Aldridge, so you shouldn't expect too much, but still... I think it's something to monitor is that without Wiseman or without Looney, without just having that big man presence, they're not going to be able to win that many games. But the story, of course, is toward the end in the fourth quarter when Steph Curry 
did this. Curry from the backcourt. Damian Lee to throw it in. Curry catches midcourt. Dribbles, stops, and fires a three over White. It's good. Curry hit it with 9.2 to go. It's a one-point game. Ball thrown into DeRozan. Fouled immediately by Draymond Green. And then DeRozan gets fouled. He makes the two free throws. He's an 88% free throw shooter. Then on the inbounds, when they try to get it to Draymond, with eight seconds left, instead of using up all that time, Steph Curry, well-guarded in that situation, instead of using up all that time, Draymond just ends up heaving it up for three, and he was clearly expecting free throws, and he missed it. Game's over. At that point, I was wondering what was happening because even though Draymond, he called it the smartest dub play in history. We'll get to the postgame sound in the next segment. He called it the smartest dub play in history. And I don't know what he was planning on doing there because when he got up for three throws in the previous possession that he was able to get a shot off, he missed both three throws. So in that situation, I don't know if he would have made all three. Even if he would have gotten fouled in that situation. When you got Steph Curry, who's as hot as ever from three right now, in the first 13 games of the season, that 13th game being that big win against L.A., he was shooting 33% from three. Ever since then, ever since they came home and they actually played the Spurs in their 14th game, all the way up until now for the last 10, he's shooting 50%. Damn near making six threes a game. That is obviously a point where you're thinking, why not get the ball to Steph? Why not get the ball to Steph? But here's where I come from with that whole play. In the end, for one, if they would have gotten the ball to Steph, it's not a guarantee that he would have made the three. I know that you want to get a better look with the best shooter on the planet. Of course, that's just how it should go. But... I just don't think they should have been in that situation. I don't think that this means anything for how the roster should be constructed. (laughs) You look at the Twitter comments, you look at the replies, whatever the play was posted on there. You know, it's always talking about what should happen with the roster, what should go on with Draymond Green in the future. In the end, it was just a play, and it was a bad one. They know it's a bad one. The only underlying thing here is the fact that they turned the ball over way too much. 20 to 10 was the turnover disparity. And that last play in that situation, they were just lucky to be there in the first place. 888-957-9570 from 707. This is from Mikey Dubs. Draymond pushed the wrong button on the controller. That's exactly what happens. You ever have that happen in 2K? Where you're just taking the ball up court, you maybe expect to drop a play, and uh, all of a sudden with the point guard, you accidentally press square and you lightly tap it, then you pump fake, then you realize you're in a no-man's-land situation, then you just got to heave up the shot. Yeah, that's what it felt like. I could agree with that. For the 4-1-5, no one calls out Draymond when he brain-froze the last possession. Of course everyone's calling out Draymond. Of course they are. It's not like, what is this avenue we're going down where it's like, I'm going to be the one to call out Draymond. I'm going to be the one to do it. Everyone's calling him out. He knows what it looked like. He knows it was a dumb play. I do think that Steph Curry's minutes are something uh, that should be of a discussion point. I do think that. I do think 
the fact that the Warriors being a 12 and 12 team, I do think that this is who they are considering their depth. I mean, I love that second unit as much as the next guy, but that second unit compared to these teams that are in the top six within the Western Conference, you know, whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers, the Utah Jazz are looking like a damn good basketball team right now. The depth that they have all the way from their top player all the way down to their eighth, very, very good. And I don't know if the Warriors can really compare to that. And you can look at it like, you know, the way Steve Steve Kerr has managed the minutes, those times when Michael Mulder seemed to be on a hot streak and then he would stay on the bench and not even be active for some games. Damian Lee wouldn't be getting as many minutes as he wanted to get after, you know, he was started off hot. There are different little things like that that we could pay attention to. And the Draymond play with eight seconds left, I don't know what happened. You know, clearly he wanted to go up and get a foul. None of it really made sense because he just missed the two previous three free throws. But in the end, if they would have gotten the ball into Steph's hands, it's no guarantee that he would have made a three. But with the way that he's been shooting it, again, ever since their last matchup with the Spurs, he would have given a 50% chance for them to make it and possibly tie the game go into overtime. It's no guarantee that they would have won, but I think that Warrior fans, when they're watching it, they would much rather lose on a Steph Curry heave up for three than a Draymond who's doing his best Carlton impression from Fresh Prince when he just stole the ball and threw it off the backboard. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. If you are wondering where the explanation is from head coach Steve Kerr as well as Draymond Green, well, you're going to get that next. That's all coming up. 888-957-9570. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Lankford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But the big story that we are talking about is what happened last night in the Warriors' one hundred five to one hundred loss to the San Antonio Spurs, and specifically this play. Lee will throw it in. Draymond screens for Curry in the backcourt. Curry can't get free. Ball lobbed into Draymond. Draymond takes a three, banked it on the thought. He thought he was getting fouled. Draymond thought he was getting fouled and fired it up there. He wanted three free throws. And I think that's what he thought because White was coming at him and White started to foul him and then backed off. I think White realized who it was. Yeah, he guessed right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everybody... Everybody, including myself, including Fitzgerald and Kalena on the broadcast, including Tim Roy and Jim Barnett, all extremely confused in that situation with eight seconds left. Um, I don't know if they would have gotten Steph open for a three. It most likely would have been contested because everybody knows that in that situation, you're expecting to go to Steph Curry. He's the hottest shooter on the planet right now. 
you're expecting the ball to get into Steph Curry's hands. And, you know, I'm not going to bring up the stats about Steph Curry and his shooting statistics whenever he's shooting game-winning shots because we all know how that turns out. It always adds added to the conversation whenever in 2019 when Steph, Clay, and KD were all on the court at the same time and were trying to argue as to who should take the last shot. And normally Steph was on the other side of that. We don't need to bring up those stats today because – that play by Draymond, I think, had everyone kind of just confused and, and befuddled because it all happened so quick. You know, Steph goes up, makes that three in, in a clutch situation. DeMar DeRozan goes and makes the two free throws, you know, and, and, and makes it 103 to 100. Then you're thinking, okay, well, you know, the Warriors still got a chance to at least push this game to overtime at the very best they could maybe put up a three, get fouled, and Steph Curry makes it. Warriors win the game. That would have been the best outcome. Win 104-103. to That's what everyone's sticking in their heads. And as the play's going on and Draymond just puts the shot up over Derek White, it's just like, wow, what's going on? And Steve Kerr talked about it, and here's his reasoning for what Draymond was doing on that last play. He thought they were going to foul him. And that's why he, he put it up to, you know, thinking he, he would get three three free throws out of it. Was that a conversation at all coming out of the huddle that they might do that strategy? No, no, we, we knew we had 8.7 on the clock. The Spurs generally do not foul in those situations. Probably my fault for not informing the team that the Spurs don't usually foul. But we knew we had, uh, you know, 8.7 to, um, to drive and kick to, to plenty of options with that kind of time. And so we were just trying to spread the floor and, and get a good look. And in the end, it just wasn't a good look for Draymond. And and of course, Greg Popovich is not going to be fouling on the final possession of the game when putting it up for three is the last thing that you want to do and getting him to the line. And, and it's just a situation. It's It's tough because... What does this mean for Draymond Green moving forward? I don't know, because he could come out the next game, put up a double-double, help get a win over the Spurs tonight, and this can all be forgotten about. Or you can be like the 925 right now, and I got to be honest, 925, it's, uh, this text is coming in in like eight different slots of text messages, so it's really tough to to read what you're saying right now. But what I'm getting at here is Draymond's post-game presser. You did not like the cockiness and the arrogance. It rubbed you the wrong way. And you're saying that you don't see the season ending in harmony with Green's sudden attitude. And I think that the overall story of this game is, you know, we got to this situation. You need a little context. In the end, the Warriors lost a turnover battle, tw- turnover battle 20 to 10. Toward the end of the second quarter, it got ugly. They turned the ball over nine times in the second quarter, almost half. And I think that you can pin the loss. You don't have to pin the entire loss on Draymond because that's just one play. One play doesn't tell the story of the entire game. But I do think that there are some question marks surrounding it. And he's doing it in a time right now where, because there's always someone to blame, right? Kelly Oubre has looked great these last few games. 
So we're not looking at Kelly Oubre anymore, although he did have an incredibly bad sequence where he tries driving to the hoop with Bazemore, who's wide open in the corner, doesn't hand it off to Bazemore, instead turns the ball over, tries to get back on defense, and then just has his back to, I believe it was Jakob Pertl who shot it on the other end of the floor and just had his back turned to him and wasn't even paying attention to the play. Terrible sequence by him, but it has moved from Oubre over to... Draymond ever since Draymond had that two-point game right and now when Draymond did this it escalates and also I think another reason that they lost I actually thought Jakob Pertl made quite the difference in this game I thought him I thought him he took advantage of the Warriors being without a big man being without James Wiseman being without Kevon Looney because toward the end of the second quarter and a little more toward the middle of the third quarter before he uh, went to take a break, I thought Jakob Pertl was able to take advantage of the Warriors going small. And not to mention, let's just give DeJounte Murray a lot of credit for that shot. Andrew Wiggins guarded him perfectly. He did. There's nothing you could do. And... Every single time, no matter what it is, and this is why the Nets are going to win so many damn games when they don't play defense, it is good defense, or excuse me, good offense always beats good defense. And DeJounte Murray hitting that corner three was huge for the Spurs. But let's go to Q on Highway 4. He wants to talk about the loss. We'll get to Draymond and what Draymond had to say about that final sequence. But Q is on Highway 4. What's going on, Q? Well, Steve, we seem to be on the same page today. Oh. Um, you know what? You can try to come down Draymond's road, and I do believe he does have some of the blame. But let's think about it. Draymond missed free throws. Yeah. Oubre hit missed free throws. Wigan can't hit free throws. If we hit those free throws, it's not an issue. Then you got Damian Lee and Wanamaker who can't hit a three-pointer, open three-pointers. Yep. I mean, I think you got to look at it as a, just an even team loss. You got beat. Devontae Murray just started going off. You just got to take the L. Come back and beat him tonight. Take the split. I appreciate that, Q. Thanks for the call. Bring it some reason because, you know, you have right to be outraged about, about it. You know, you do. But in the end, it is basketball. They played 24 games. And by what, my calculation, that's about uh, 48 more games left. I think I, I, did I, did I even do that math right? I'm not even going to try and Yes, yes, I did. All right, did it right in my head. I'm terrible at that if you listen to the pregame show. But they got a lot of season left, and it was just a tough game to watch. It was a tough pill to swallow, especially when Steph is shooting as well as he's shooting right now again. Up until that Lakers game, up until the end of that road trip, and they came back home to face the Spurs, um, up until they got that win over the Lakers, Steph was shooting 33% from beyond the arc. Ever since then, for the last 10 games, from the 14th game, which was against the Spurs, all the way to this one, which was the 24th, he's making half of them, which is just insane. And it's not just, it's not just like he's making, you know, four of eight. He's making damn near seven threes a game. It's insane. From the five one zero, let's be real, nice guy. If that was anyone else on the team, Draymond would have lost it because it's on, but because it's him. Oh well, dude is starting to rub me the wrong way. From the four one five hashtag Dub Nation, stop giving Draymond a pass 
and hold him accountable. I think everyone is starting to hold him accountable. It's just the team, and I can understand your frustration with that. It doesn't seem like the team is starting to hold him accountable, but also you don't have that other guy. You don't have that other guy who's going to tell Draymond, hey, man, you should have made that different pass because Steph's not going to do that. You know, and he understood that he made a mistake in that time. I understand the, the outrage that's befallen it and all that, but you could be like Q on Highway 4 and just say, look, that was just bad. Go get him next time. Or you can look at it and say, Ugh, I don't know. There's something there. There's something there with that team. But I also, I truly believe that right now with this season, if Draymond were on the team, I don't know. I, I I don't know how it would be looking. Because after that first game against the Nets, he made an instant difference. Uh, but here's Draymond after the game talking about the final sequence and what he was trying to do there. I assume he was about to foul, which I, he was. Um, it's known for fouling in those situations. He had his hands out. And I also knew he didn't have any more time out. So, you know, at that point, you know, it just becomes a free throw game. So I probably should have held on to it and just took the foul and let it turn into a free throw game. But it's what it is. I felt like that was the uh, smartest dumb play in the history. You know, I know most people won't see that it kind of, put two and two together of what's actually going on there. Uh, so, very smart. But, they ended up being dumb as hell. Now, I can understand if maybe you saw that press conference from a while back saying that people don't understand bleep about basketball and first they got to admit that they don't understand, they got to admit what they don't know and they got to try and learn from it. I could see that possibly rubbing some basketball fans, some Warrior fans the wrong way. And then on top of that, you got this happening where he makes a play that just confuses everybody. And if you don't like Draymond, fine. Personally, I do. Because in this game, he still had 10 rebounds, still had 10 assists. He put up 7 points, which is good enough for me as far as Draymond goes. I do think he turned the ball over way too much. He had five turnovers on the game, which accounts for a fourth of their turnovers, which is just insane. But you got to look at the team in its entirety, and I do think Draymond needs to play better um, and continue to play better. And I think that... The depth on this team is really starting to show because the second unit was a fun story to start out with. But when Eric Paschal is going into this game questionable with knee soreness, doesn't really do much at the start of the fourth quarter when that second unit comes in. I mean, there's it's not much of a recipe to win if the guy who's meant to be your second or third best player, depending on who you are, uh, depending on who you are. I think it's just not a recipe to win. It's not. Um, but Draymond did talk about the season, and he still sounds optimistic uh, about it as an entire in its entirety. I wouldn't say it's been necessarily much of a roller coaster as far as basketball goes. I think it's been a roller coaster, more of a roller coaster off the floor than, than as far as basketball goes. Uh, you know, as far as us being twelve and twelve, I think we definitely lost some games that we should have won. Uh, you, you know, you got to try to figure out. You know, how to win those games that you're supposed to win. You know, and that hopefully comes with time and growing and playing more together. But I don't think this has been much of a roller coaster on the court. Um, you know, we've 
lost some games, we won some games. It's, you know, it's fun, fun group to play with, fun group to be around. You know, so the, you know, hopefully the wins will come. You know, they'll start to pile up. But I won't say this season has been much of a roller coaster as far as basketball goes. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. We've been talking about this final shot, the final eight seconds where Draymond hoped to get free throws, didn't get fouled, Derek White didn't foul him, and in the end, they win 105-100. to But I want to know from you, Steph Curry had 35 minutes on the floor last night. You could say that we could have used Steph Curry a little more on the floor. Would you rather see Steph playing in more minutes in this game? Or would you rather the Warriors play the long game and keep him in this 34 to 35 minute range? 888-957-9570 is the text line in the phone number because Steve Kerr said something very interesting yesterday that I think kind of slipped under the radar after Draymond's Little play with eight seconds left in the game. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Stephen Lightfoot did all the pregame show. Ninety five seven the game. Now back to the pregame show on ninety five seven the game. Here's Stephen Langford. Gonna be this way. Did anyone see? James Wiseman wearing the friend sweatshirt on the bench. I don't want to see Wiseman on the bench anymore. I want to see him in a Warriors uniform. 100%. But there's a new side to him that I'm learning. Saw him a couple of games ago wearing the South Park hoodie. And now he's wearing the hoodie with the friends theme on it. Fascinating. I would love to ask him, were Ross and Rachel on a break, bro? What do you think? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. What was it last night? What was it that you attribute to the loss? Was it this Draymond play toward the end with eight seconds left to go in the game? Was it the turnovers? Was it the fact that Steph only played thirty five minutes when he clearly wanted to go in the game to play more? What is it? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. We do have Shane in Walnut Creek who wants to talk a little Draymond Green. What's going on, Shane? Hey, Stephen. How you doing? Uh, Good man. Hey, Michael. Um, so I just wanted to throw a, just a few numbers out. Uh, I love numbers, Draymond. Um, <laughs> likewise, I do. This this whole thing. It, it, shortly, it's it's been taking place since you know say the first championship year uh, 15 16 mm-hmm. every statistical category involving you know points rebounds you know assist turnover ratio uh, they have been you know in decline for green every year for six straight years there's not one year that he had a you know increase and i just kind of you know went over you know glanced at these numbers on basketball reference okay and uh it just uh, quickly, uh, they they have this the uh, stack called the BPM box plus minus. I yep. guess it's kind of like you know WAR would be for baseball. He's a negative two point two this season. As uh, and, and their definition for that is bench player slash replacement. You know, I mean, uh, 
compared to 5.4 in you know uh, 15, 16, whatever that means. I'm just it's just a, a reference point that, that it's we have him for three more years too after this at almost an eighty eighty million dollars sticker price um, and just I don't know I'll I'll take your comments up there but um just don't see it anymore thank you I appreciate you Shane yeah no that he makes a good point and I think that one thing that I haven't really talked about because I'm just looking at it from the game in of itself but. One thing I haven't really talked about is that contract. You do expect a little more out of that contract. When your top four guys that you're paying in Steph, Draymond, Wiggins, and Clay, and that's just in contract extensions. You can also look at Kelly Oubre as well, who put him well over the luxury tax. So you're paying damn near almost $80 million essentially uh, with Kelly Oubre because of that luxury tax. The contract is something to pay attention to. But I just think that right now it is 24 games into the season. You know, this could be the identity of the team, but there's plenty of time for Draymond to pick it up. And if you have just given up with Draymond, then that's fine. Then, then that's okay. But personally, I haven't just yet. I still think there's plenty of room to improve. 888-957-9570. From the 415, what would Draymond call Curry if Curry clapped for the ball? They're teammates. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I understand this whole thing that Draymond would have yelled at any other player if he would have taken that shot. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Because in the final moments of the game... It's tough. It really is tough because you're referring back to uh, that time that Kevin Durant was clapping for the ball, and then you know Kevin Durant clapped back at Draymond toward the end of the game in regulation in that uh, in that Clippers game, and then we all know what happened there. But it's just different this year, and I think I'm just at the point now where, kind of like the Deshaun Watson talk, it's just exhausting to talk about what the future holds for this dude on the team when we're just 24 games into the season and they're 12 and 12 when there are clearly some glaring holes that they have in that second unit when Andrew Wiggins isn't confidently shooting his shot. You know, he he took like three step-back mid-range jumpers that were right before the three-point line, some long twos, which is the lowest percentage shot in the league. I think there are a lot of other problems in this situation besides just what's been going on with Draymond. But Shane does make a good point. That box plus minus number uh, is interesting. He is currently in the minus. But another thing to monitor here is the way that Steve Kerr handles Steph Curry's minutes. You'll notice that he will play a majority of his time in the first and the third quarters, a little bit in the second quarter, and in the fourth quarter, they'll bring him in normally with about six, seven minutes left, depending on when uh, there's a timeout called or there's a ball out of bounds when you can bring in a player. Um, Steph had 35 minutes on the floor last night. He is currently the hottest shooter on the planet in the past 10 games, shooting 50% from three ever since that game against the Lakers. And 
Kerr spoke on Steph's minutes last night, and he was asked whether Steph should get more time because Steph was visibly frustrated. Anthony Slater posted about this on Twitter with about seven minutes left in the game, and there had been like a nine-point swing where the Spurs took a large lead. There is a moment where Steph is standing up on the bench with the towel over his head, and he's glancing over at the sideline, looking at the coach, wondering when he's going to be getting into the game, when both him and Draymond are going into the game. Maybe we're making too much out of that, but Steph did look visibly frustrated this entire time. And here's Steve Kerr talking about whether they'll look to add more minutes to Steph's time in the game. Not for me, you know. I'm I'm into the uh, the long game. You know, we're uh, we're we're counting on having Steph here for a long time, many many years ahead. I'm not interested in in grinding through this season, which is already a very difficult season given the, uh, the COVID regulations and just the nature of the games themselves. You know, these eerie empty stadiums. This is uh, for me, for our organization. You know, we're we're not we're not throwing Steph out there for 40 minutes to to chase wins. We got another game tomorrow. We want Steph to be playing at a high level for many years. So we're going to stay very disciplined and try to keep him at that 34, 35 minute mark. And this is interesting because the 510 is thinking the exact same thoughts as what I thought when I heard this earlier this morning after last night. From the 5-1-0, the Warriors aren't winning the championship this year. It sucks seeing Steph out when he could easily help win, but why burn him out in a wash season? That text is exactly my thought when Steve Kerr says that he's looking years down the line and he wants to extend his career. To me, that is telling us that, look, reading between the lines... Probably not going to do much this year. Yeah, we could we could squeak into the playoffs. Who knows? We could go on a run. Maybe we could get that 6th, 7th, or 8th seed, try and have a nice little playoff run, but we're not really comparing to teams like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Jazz in the Western Conference right now. In the next coming years, when Clay's back healthy, and now you can finally go full squad with Steph, that's when you want him going. But last night, for me, it's I, I understand that for a lot of different games because there are situations where it's like, yeah, you don't need to bring in Steph. There's no point. And when he had that moment in the first quarter where he's laboring on that left ankle, um, you saw that moment, right, where he fell down and he was holding on to his ankle for a little bit. It didn't seem to hinder him too much. But clearly, Kerr saw something there where it's like, look, I'll keep him in that 34 to 35-minute range, but I'm not going to increase his minutes just so we can get a win here, even though we're going up against this team in the Spurs who we could be competing for later on down the line. And even if Steph looked visibly frustrated on the court after the game, he didn't seem like he was too frustrated. Here's Steph when he was asked about uh, just how his minutes have been handled. Losing sucks. We all know that no matter what the, the reason is. And you can kind of nitpick each game and say, oh, 
turnovers or fouls or you know, offensive rebounds or whatever the case is on a nightly basis, whatever it is, it leads to a loss. So, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where we get used to, to a losing feeling. That's not who we are. It's not what we're about. Playing well enough, you know, as of late to be in most games and, you know, down the stretch, just haven't been able to get it done for a very, you know, myriad of reasons. So it is frustrating. Obviously, no secret about that. You don't know, like walking off the court out of win tonight was just kind of one of those weird nights where, you know, back and forth, we had a pretty good momentum going into the fourth, and you know, they made a couple more plays down the stretch. So tough night. And this is his comments talking about the conversation surrounding his minutes. This is a topic that comes up a lot. We had a preseason, you know, every game that is close is like, oh, two, three minutes here, five minutes there. Of course, I want to play many minutes as possible. And of course, I'm going to keep subtly, like, putting, you know, letting them know how I feel based on a night-to-night basis. But we got to be in a position where we do things about 48 minutes that, you know, that plan of attack works, you know, more nice than not. And obviously, if you have to make certain, you know, reads and decisions, you kind of uh, make those calls. But you can't be in a situation where that's, you know, the nightly conversation. It is 72 games, so we obviously know that. Trying to put ourselves in a position to win and eventually uh, turn the corner where we build momentum. Now, right now, he is averaging 29.5 points a game, six assists, five rebounds. He's shooting 43% from the three point line. And if you're putting up as many attempts as he's putting up, which is the most in the NBA, man. Those are some damn good numbers. But for me, when Kerr says that we're not looking to add more minutes, we don't want him getting hurt in the future down the line, I also think that it shows, like, look, I don't think he's looking this year as the type of year where they're going to be contending for a championship. To me, it's just saying, I don't know. I'm not going to put him in for more time than's needed. And you know what? I don't think this game, it should have been a situation where we're wondering about Steph's minutes. You know, it's come into play time and time again, but the Warriors have come back from big deficits before, and if all the combining factors toward the end of the game, whether it's DeJounte Murray just doing whatever he wants, pulling up from mid-range, looking incredibly comfortable, and then making that corner three with Andrew Wiggins guarding him as well as he could. I do think that you got to look at the other factors surrounding it. The fact that the second unit at the start of the fourth quarter didn't look nearly the same as they did at the start of the second corner when they actually looked pretty good and the Warriors had a lead by 14 uh, at one point in the second quarter. And then the turnovers toward the end cost them, as well as Jakob Pertl being able to do whatever he wants as a big man. I think there are a lot of factors that are looking at that. But Steve Kerr mentioning that toward the, uh, toward the end, just saying, look, we're basically... We're basically restricting his minutes. If we need to put him into the game, I know it sounds crazy, but when you look at the best players in the league and the guys who are the MVPs of their team, they're being put into crunch time situations. And Steve Kerr just doesn't want to risk anything for the future because we know what the team could look like if Steph is just not 100% uh, for the seasons to come 
when Clay is back. Nevertheless, it's not like these games haven't been entertaining. You know, Kelly o- Kelly Oubre going off. We haven't even mentioned uh, Kelly Oubre yesterday, but he had a damn good game um, scoring, what, 24 points, 9 of 16 shooting, 4 of 8 from beyond the arc. He only got up to the line three times, um, possibly could have gotten more. And we're not even talking about uh, these calls toward the end where there seem to be some missed calls by the refs, but that's going to be happening within every game. But I think one thing that I'm also drawing from this is that they need Wiseman back. They need that big man presence. I think JTA has been fantastic coming in and being a starter at the center position. I think that he has given them an energy. He led the team in rebounds last night. Now, he did have a couple of bad turnovers, but overall scoring eight points on the floor in his 28 minutes of time with the 11 rebounds and understanding where to be and understanding the positioning, I think that he's been very good. But I also think that Wiseman could be very, very useful, whether it's not even in the starting lineup. Just a big man coming off the bench. You need that presence. Because starting the second and fourth quarter with Brad Wanamaker, Michael Mulder, Damian Lee, Eric Paschal, who was already questionable going into this game with knee soreness, and then, depending on who Steve Kerr goes with between Kelly Oubre or Andrew Wiggins, I don't know if that's going to get it done. 888-957-9570. This is from Sean. Kelly Oubre trade stock is rising. Should we trade him? And what for? Not even going to go down that path right now. But this game last night was a tough one, especially in the final eight seconds of the game. And in case you're just getting into your car now, this was the talk of Twitter last night by the time the game was over. Lee will throw it in. Draymond screens for Curry in the backcourt. Curry can't get free. Ball lobbed into Draymond. Draymond takes a three, banked it on the thought. He thought he was getting fouled. Draymond thought he was getting fouled and fired it up there. He wanted three free throws. And I think that's what he thought because White was coming at him and White started to foul him and then backed off. I think White realized who it was. Yeah, he guessed right. Yeah. And it sure as hell's not going to give him the best chance to win when he's going for those free throws. And then after the game, these were Draymond's comments when he was asked about the final sequence. I assume he was about to foul, which I, he was. Um, it's known for fouling in those situations. He had his hands up. And I also knew we didn't have any more timeouts left. You know, at that point, you know, it's just because of free throw game. So probably should have held on to it and just took the foul and let it turn into a free throw game, but it's what it is. I'm getting very exhausted just talking about roster reconstruction. I do think that they need to add either a, a good 3 and D guy or maybe a backup point guard who can confidently get you a three-pointer every now and then. I do think that they need to add that, and they have the capability to do so, or even getting another power forward who can give you a, a little more strength coming off the bench. But I also think it's just exhausting talking about after every game where these players are going to go, what's going to happen with this team. In the end, 
It was just a bad play with eight seconds left, and Draymond heaving it up. Most likely, I don't know if he would have made those three free throws in crunch time after missing the previous two when he made up for those free throws. And Draymond continued and said, it's the smartest dumb play of all time. I felt like that was the smartest dumb play in history. I know most people won't see that and kind of put two and two together of what's actually going on there. Uh, so, very smart play that ended up being dumb as hell. And we're paying attention to that play, but in the end, you're not going to win a basketball game when you have twice as many turnovers as the other team and you're playing against a Spurs team who will be getting their shots up. Now, they don't always knock them down. And they aren't the greatest rebounding team of all time, but they are going to be putting up shots regardless. They're within the top five in the league in attempts. They're going to get theirs. And sometimes those shots are going to be knocked down. And DeJounte Murray, man, that that three-pointer that he had from the corner when Wiggins, I thought, guarded him just as well as you can guard any player, really without fouling him, going up for a three. It's just good offense, Sometimes beats good defense. Now, you got another matchup tonight. You're going back-to-back with the Spurs. <sighs> Tip time at 5.30 with pregame at 4 o'clock. It was an exhilarating game yesterday, and the turnovers were frustrating. I thought there were a couple of cool moments. Steph, toward the end of the first quarter, he was able to hit that shot all the way from Houston to close it out. It was insane. I, I mean, Steph has just been so fun to watch on a night-to-night basis, and I can guarantee you that that's what the morning roast is going to be talking about today. Steph Curry, I mean, is that the most fun player that you've watched in the last 20 years? That's going to be a question that's going to be thrown out a little later on in the show. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Really excited uh, to hear what they have to talk about today <sighs> from... The 707, Dre tra- chased that triple-double with the last shot. Not sure what he was doing. From the 650, this is Drake in Mountain View. Draymond isn't yelling at Steph anytime. That's just a good business decision over there by Draymond Green. We got another chance tonight. Hopefully they can restore it. Jason Lockenfora coming up in about a half hour. He had an update with the 49ers and their quarterback situation before the Super Bowl. Can't wait to hear from him. You're going to have Festus Azili at 710, King of the Hill at 730, then Spurs Television play-by-play, Bill Land at 815. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I'll be back tomorrow at 5 a.m., 95.7 The Game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.